0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, and I have a treat for you today, guys. Um, oftentimes, I get told we need more female guests, and I've got an absolute superstar hanging out with us today. Uh, she is the owner and founder of Coyote Classics, a hot rod dealership of all things. Guys, please welcome to the show, Lisa Austin.
1: Hey everybody, I'm so glad to be here. Sam, thank you so much for having me today. Oh, Looking you're um-
0: welcome. You are more than welcome, my dear. I, uh, I mean, how, how do you how do you turn down a woman that has like a, a hot rod shop? I mean, come on, what? tell me all about the the hot rods I mean, and everything. I know. I've yeah. I've been I've been checking out yours website. Um, bunches and bunches of classic cars. You're more like like a, a, just a who's who of classic car inventory out on there. Um, and you know, partner with with your husband, correct? Yes,
1: yeah, correct. We started. My husband and I started this journey together uh, in two thousand five. From so, our home,
0: and how many times did you try to kill him between 2005 and today?
1: I'm pretty sure I haven't stopped trying to kill him, <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> uh, uh, all I right. mean, we make it, we make a great pair together, but <laughs> you know, we also because of our different views will. have that adjustment we have to switch hats
0: kind of makes that world go round. um all right let's let's get into the story of of lisa and let's talk a little bit about your background and uh, life before 2005 were you always like an entrepreneur or did you come from a a world of of regular people where jobs were the uh, order of the day
1: sure i would say i would definitely came from a world of regular people i grew up in the west desert of utah in a very small, small community. My parents, uh, I grew up in a mobile home. They both worked very, very hard for everything that they had. Mm-hmm. The majority of my childhood growing up, my dad retired early, my parents were an older couple, and my mom worked. So I'm used to seeing the mom um, being gone and working a ton of hours. So she worked as a civilian for the United States Army. Okay. And by the time of her retirement, um, She had worked right alongside the commander and, and all sorts of things. So she really worked her way up from nothing as well. So she, they always instilled in me that I could do anything if I set my mind to it. And so that's where you got that
0: work ethic, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So then I moved to Iowa where I met my husband and his dad had a used car dealership at the time that I had met him. And my husband was working concrete, pouring concrete and foundations for homes and I had encouraged my husband to learn a bit, little bit more about the car business, which he had no interest in. Uh, but I kept, I just saw something there and I saw some potential. Mm-hmm. And so I encouraged him. And uh, finally, he decided to go learn some more about the car business and worked alongside of his dad um, managing and, and all of this. Um, a lot of sales work. guys. I worked there with him. I'm
0: sorry. What? A lot of sales guys cut their teeth in the car business. I mean, it's it's yeah. It's like a rite of passage for for many of us. I I spent several um, several stints selling cars. Owned a car dealership myself. So you know, it's uh, that's why when this interview came across my desk, I was like, hell yeah, I want to talk to the girl that has the car dealership. Oh yeah,
1: yeah for sure. So it's it's that's kind of how we got started in it. But we both worked for his dad for a little while. But then. You know, being a young couple with with two young babies at the time, we just needed a little supplemental income. So he started selling the classics because that's what he's always been um, a fond, very fond of. And so have I. So we just started selling out of our garage a little bit and then it just blossomed over time.
0: You don't get the same smell of, of rubber and petrol with a, uh, a modern car that you get with driving uh, a mid-60s Camaro or a 69 Boss Mustang, for example. That
1: is so true. Um,
0: do you think that's just something that is in somebody's blood?
1: I think so, yeah. I think so, but I also am and seeing that the younger generation is definitely finding more interest and love for these cars as well. You know, movies like Fast and Furious and, those type of movies really have generated a lot of peak and interest to these kind of cars. Of course, they, yeah. right? They're just don't, they just don't—they don't make them like they used to. You know, the solid metal and the growling motors and It's the motors. The... It's,
0: it's how do you how do you add how do you add the sound and feel of a big block to the acceleration of a Tesla? That's my question. Yeah, so it doesn't be... sound right. You know, no. Like, no. how do you how do you get over that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I I don't know. Um, yeah, I just I am not really sure how to answer that question because if I imagine a Tesla like cruising down with a growling motor, it just is. It just like, doesn't. I can't put it together that piece in my brain.
0: Dude, when you've got a cammed pushrod motor that's that's actually struggling to uh, to to stay uh, running because of the the height of the cam and the amount of the lope it's got, and the man, the smell and the vibration and the noise, there's nothing like it. So, uh, yeah, what's do you do anything with the retrofits i've seen a couple of uh 60s mustangs with full uh, electric powertrains in now going down the drag strip in stupidly fast times you'll touch on any of that
1: yeah so we um what our dealership does is we buy and sell mostly we're a lot like your newer used um, car dealerships so we don't do any restorations we do some work and we help make them be a little bit better for our customer uh, we do sell the resto mods that you're seeing you know the upgraded motors and the transmissions and things like that it's not something that we install ourselves but you, you know, we are some
0: more of it man cuz yeah man you take a modern powertrain and put it in a classic oof, that just that'll do it for me but we're getting a little bit off of the uh, off of the business questions already i'm stuck cuz I, I browsed around <laughs> that website of yours and i'm already in love with a couple of the mustangs on there um <laughs>
1: hard not to be i know we have a great inventory right now
0: so Mm -hmm. so so what's it what was it like um making that transition into owning your own dealership what were some of the initial lessons that you learned right out the gate in 2005 and said hey maybe that's not a good idea that we want to try that again
1: right so for us um you know we had gained some experience working alongside his dad but i remember when we had the opportunity we had been selling so many cars out of our home that the state had actually said to us, you know, for state licensing, you could only sell up to 10 cars as an yeah. individual and you have to get mm-hmm. your dealership license. So yeah, In,
0: in Texas it's five, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so because we were operating out of our, our farm home, we had to map out an area where our lot would be, where our, you know, all these certain requirements, My my children's toy room quickly became an office and <laughs> the kitchen table is where we closed our deals. And so that was, I think, a little bit scary for me as well, you know, inviting people I didn't know into my home and making those transitions. And I also remember looking at my husband and saying, so we're going to feed our children, diaper our babies on the hopes that somebody is going to buy a car from us. Because that's what we would, or we, we were all in. And and my husband's very good with what he does. And he says, we got it. So we just never looked back. It was always a forward thinking Failure was not an option for us. We just kept pushing forward and we did run into roadblocks. I I remember the first time that we spoke with the bank about buying an uh, actual location. They wanted to present, I had to present business plans and things that I had no idea what it even was. So I was so thankful for the internet and I got (laughs) on there and got a little education from Google University, but put some things together. And so that, you know, in the beginning, we didn't really know a lot. But when you kind of have that mindset of, success yeah yeah you just you have a choice to make you know you can choose to give up when the times get tough but again my mom used to always say tough times don't last but tough people do so do you want to be you know I don't think anyone really goes into business to fail I think Mm -hmm. people go into business and then realize how hard it is and then they realize Mm -hmm. that maybe they're not as strong as they thought they were to keep pushing forward um but for us it was we just never had that conversation yeah about yeah. failure so is we it- just found ways to navigate through any challenge that came to
0: us what what was the biggest challenge that you faced as a startup
1: sure so um part of the challenges i think is mostly just learning how to be a business partner with your spouse mm.
0: you know. <laughs> That's I think I I've, I've failed at that terribly. So yeah, yeah it is. It's a yeah.
1: big challenge. And mm-hmm. Chad and I have always been a really great team. We've always said we're better together, but there's definitely some challenges that come with that. Cause you really have to learn when to take off that hat, you know, and it makes it a little easier now that we're no longer working out of our home. We haven't done that for many years. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you know, there were times when I was bringing babies into the office and it's just hard to remember to, okay, this is a business setting, you know, not a family setting. So now we physically do the motion of switching the hat around and we're like, this is business hat now, you know, right. this is personal hat. And we try really hard to not talk that business, but I, I guess when, when we're at home and and vice versa, but it is difficult. I think that's our biggest challenge.
0: Yeah. I can imagine. Cause it, it, it's very easy when you go to work to come home and have a break from work. But if I, if I live with my business partner, it seems, It seems that that seems to be an ongoing theme over and over during the course of my day is, hey, there's no relaxation time. It's all work. Do you guys keep separate calendars now or do you guys like work together as a team?
1: Yeah, so we've always worked together as a team. Uh, I focus mostly on business operations and the financing part of it and the systems within the business. Mm -hmm. Chad's focus is mostly buying, selling. Uh, he works closely with the mechanics and the customers. So we each definitely have our line in the sand. Yeah. And then when it comes to crossing over that, we don't really do that a whole lot. You know, there are times that we'll question maybe a system or something come up or arise or we'll consult each other always with both things, but we've never really been cross crossed lines that way. So I think that's helped a lot. You know, it's, yeah. it's, this is my kind of like, it's my kitchen, get out kind of thing, yeah.
0: mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I, I totally this, get that. How it's been. <laughs> so a lot of people think selling cars is fairly easy. Um, and I can certainly say it's not, there's a lot of work that goes into it, uh, especially on the back end of things. Um, Was there one real thing that stuck out that surprised you um, about selling cars? Maybe something you weren't quite aware of that jumped out as like, "Oh wow, this is uh, much different from what I thought."
1: The only thing that I feel is different than what I thought is just the fact that everyone, the type of inventory that we sell, Mm -hmm. and so many people across the globe have a story about them. So for me, wow, yeah, that was that was where it was like oh this is not just a car dealership this is something very unique and very special
0: what what is your favorite story come, come on you um, there there must be a there must be a golden customer story that stands out in your mind
1: yeah you know there is truly so many of them but my favorite ones are just when a father son come in and they or and now it's an adult the son is now an adult mm-hmm. and he's bringing in his younger son and they're talking about the dad's talking about how oh my dad had this this car and he taught me how to do everything under the hood. And now I'm, I'm looking for a car to just do that with my son and yes. that generational stories, we hear that very frequently. And for me, that is the most important thing. And the thing that I love is that family value. And in today's world, I, I feel like the classic offers more than just a cool car to drive down the road, but it offers an opportunity for, for dads and sons, or even moms and sons or moms mm-hmm. and daughters yeah. to, to learn something together. And it's something that, these classic motors are something that you can work on and repair they're not i never thought about that
0: i never thought about that you know Um, yeah
1: so it's it's just something that that i
0: my my truck my truck has got this eco thing and it's part electric and part petrol and I don't know how it works at all, and uh, you know, how am I expected to teach my boy to tear down a pushrod motor? <laughs> like yeah. I, I don't get it. I'm like I grew up in a shop. I owned a dealership, and I am I'm still a little intimidated to open a hood on on a new car. But I can right. set I can set the timing on a classic quite easily. Absolutely, yeah. The, the learning curves different. I never thought of that at all. The the, the joy you must get from a multi generational sale because. You're, you're you're not only selling the experience of of grandfather and grandson and father bonding you you're actually selling like uh, an actual practical asset that the, the grandson can take and learn on and and you know can continue being being practical I, I just think that must give you guys so much joy.
1: it does I, we, we don't just sell cars we sell dreams we sell memories we sell yeah. you know that's that's what we do we keep those memories and dreams alive for people. Well, it's, you know, that's a terrible thing.
0: but one of my questions is, what's your favorite thing about owning the dealership? I'm just gonna check that off right now and not yeah. even bother to asking it because it must just be such a rewarding uh, a rewarding thing to do. So um all right, let's take a look here. What do you think is going to happen in the future for you guys and for the classic car market as a whole?
1: Yeah, so I get that we've always had that question asked to us from the very, very beginning because um, you know, but it, when we started out, those 50s cars, uh, 60s, even some of the we did 20s and 30s of some s- stuff when oh, we wow. first started out. Um, but as the years have gone by, the generations kind of go up a little. Mm-hmm. So there's never it seems like now we're selling 80s and 90s cars, and it's hard to think of those as classics. Dude, but- I wish that
0: I wish that kept some of mine. I mean, I had a 92. 92- uh, Mustang that I sold for six thousand dollars in two thousand eight, it would probably be worth twenty to twenty five right now. You know, it's the yeah, the, the yeah. markets are just um, the market. I had a Mercure XR four, you know, you know that car uh,
1: mm-hmm. mid
0: eighties, and those now are in good condition are well into five figures. Like, what are some of the upcoming classics that collectors should be on the lookout for right now? Maybe there is something yeah. in the early two thousands that's going to go hot. What What do you see?
1: You know, right now the the thing that we're seeing a lot of is still just the Camaros and the, the Trans Ams and the you know we've had a few rocks I know it's not a lot of everyone's favorite, but oh, those are great though.
0: Those still third gen Camaros.
1: Yeah, yeah I with- like those too, and we we see a lot more of those now. Um, but uh, that's just kind of the, still the same stuff. The Mustangs they don't really change. You know, even the even the Camaros, the new generation Camaros and Mustangs. People still love those. They, seem to stay pretty true to that
0: so, you know, genre. What would be the best car for me to buy to, uh, to pull up at my son's school blasting Motley Crue out of?
1: <laughs> well, for me, <laughs> if I were to choose, um, definitely I like the um, AR Hemi Cudas, and I like mm. the um, Boss uh, Mustangs. You know, those are super great with especially got a heavy motor in them. Yeah. The Fastbacks. So those, those for me, definitely are what I think someone should look into.
0: So on the subject of classic car prices and future classics, what do you think the biggest challenge that you guys are facing right now as a business is? With,
1: hmm. You know, I think the biggest <laughs> like there's not thing, enough
0: challenges going on with the fuel prices I mean, and just the inflation a lot of and shit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that.
1: yeah. And true. <laughs> Right now, right now, you know, the challenge I think is just keeping up with with the market. The market's always changing. Um, definitely, the the cost of things are rising a lot more than what we had originally started out from 2005. You know, so mm. you're definitely seeing that influx that way so it takes it takes as a business you have to have a little bit larger inventory which takes a larger amount of money to be able to supply that and then you know for us demand as well you know just keeping up with the demand because there seems to be a lot more interest in the classic cars
0: so well yeah they're not making them anymore um, right. One thing I noticed that's funny is, you know, my dad has always enjoyed cars and uh, and motorcycles and his, uh, his passion for a long time has been older bikes. And by older, I mean 30s and 40s uh, bikes. And he pulled some money out of the stock market and bought, um, I think he's got four or five now, um, partially restored and show quality vintage bikes. And he holds those because um, he said they're not making them anymore, and the value will never go down. Mm-hmm. Do you find that happening in classic cars? And um, is there an inventory shortage that's driving up prices? Do you think? Yeah. So I don't
1: know if um, I would say there's necessarily a shortage. It's just finding them at the right time and the right the right amount. You know, if a person has spent years remodeling and refurbishing and, and turning their car into something special, then of course, it's more to them as well than just the dollar figure. They want right, right. to get their investment and time back. And, and in those restorations, a lot of times you can dump so much money into them that you exceed its value, but people mm-hmm. are still wanting to get that value back. So, which is very understandable, um, but that that drives up the market a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when with the thing with the classic car is that it holds its investment. Right. you know you, where a newer car you purchase a vehicle and you drive off the lot and you have depreciation immediately or uh, a classic car, <laughs> you drive off your lot and it's yeah. going to be worth more than that in the future so uh,
0: i've seen some crazy stuff in the new car market um i got a couple of good friends actually run dealerships and just the the, the price on trade-ins is is crazy um there's people being paid to drive new cars right now it just blows my mind completely <laughs> but, yeah
1: it is it's interesting what's happening right now I think with that market for
0: sure so for sure given the given those answers um what's one of the most important strengths or personality traits that you think that you need to possess to succeed in the business that you guys are in
1: yeah and I don't know if it's just for my business at all but I, I think for all business entrepreneurs who are starting up their own business it takes a lot of courage for one you have to yeah. have courage to take the step out and to do something that's unknown or new territory to you. You also have to have the strength to push through when things are challenging. You have to have a mindset that is able to fluctuate. And maybe if you're focusing in one direction and it's not succeeding in that direction, be a little creative at how you adapt to that? Um, whether it's adapting to whatever challenge, you know, you have to learn to adapt. If you don't rock with the wave, then, then. It doesn't set you up very well for success. And the other thing is you have to believe in your capabilities. You know, the belief in yourself is where I think a lot of people um, fail because the outside world, and sometimes, especially those closest to you as an entrepreneur, fight against you the hardest. And that's really difficult. Just get new friends.
0: Just get rid of them. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's exactly what you need to do. But sometimes when it's your family, Mm -hmm. I've seen so many of my entrepreneur friends that, they've started up and their families, you know, discredit them, you know, they, and I'm sure they do it out of love because they don't want to see them fail or, or to lose things. But uh, I feel that's just this sense of average, you know, people get comfortable in. So when somebody tries to grow out of that um, average level, then you're just kind of frowned upon. And so it's easy to crumble under that because you don't want to disappoint the people that you love the most. And then you start doubting yourself. So for an entrepreneur starting out, What I would say to you is just to keep confident and believe in yourself. If God put that thought into your soul, it's there for a purpose. It's not for anyone else to understand that dream or that insight, but you, because it's your, it's put in there for you.
0: They say, don't let a blind man judge your vision. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. absolutely.
0: that, that actually, no wonder you got recommended to come on the show. Um <laughs> because yeah. that, that well no that that mindset stuff's very real. Um, I think an important personality trait for entrepreneurs is a little bit of ignorance as well because if they knew just how hard it was uh, to succeed, most of them wouldn't even begin. Now you touched on mindset and you touched on the people that surround you and making sure those people are a positive influence on you. What's a couple of tricks that you use when your mindset gets a little way off and you need to pull yourself back to being Lisa, the superstar entrepreneur, give us a couple of, give us a couple of little pointers there to keep that mindset, right?
1: Yeah. So for me, um, I'm a very spiritual person and it's something that I've always leaned to in my times of difficulty. Mm -hmm. I've always said it's okay to fall if you fall on your knee to pray, um, to, to build yourself back up, um. And I just think it's a lot of self-reflection, a lot of, um, meditation, you know, Mm -hmm. think of where your vision is taking you and why it's taking you there. Uh, a lot of times it's getting to know yourself as a person and in life, we get pulled in so many directions that we have a tendency to lose sight of who we truly are. I feel it's really important that we take time to, to know that we need to journal, um, Write what we're feeling and why we're feeling it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a conversation that you need to have with those that maybe aren't as supportive to you that you wish you were. Because, like I said, you can take on other people's negativity and doubt. Mm. Um, you know, a good yeah, book. A I, I, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of great health self help self-help books, podcasts, things that you know I listen to to keep myself and spirits motivated. But the main thing is is that belief. You just have to continue to believe in yourself despite what the world says.
0: Amen. Um, yeah.
1: You have a choice. Yeah. You know, you have a choice in life. You can't you can't choose what gets thrown at you, but you can choose how to respond to it. And so many people in my life have chosen to not respond well and to give mm-hmm. excuse after excuse, and it never served them ever.
0: No, ma'am. And
1: so I've I've learned to not let life affect me that way you know you have you have a choice Mm -hmm. and it's how you choose to live your life that's going to make a difference to you no one else only you can make a difference
0: in your life we don't allow excuses around here we have a saying about excuses so fuck your excuses um but in reality everybody's got excuses and um you know i went over the very same thing you were just saying earlier i went over that with the with with my team this morning um you know, everybody comes in, we all do a great job, we all put our excuses down, and we all get along with uh, with what we have to do for the day. So, uh, yeah, man, right. it's it's really interesting to hear you talk as much mindset stuff as you do, given the fact that you're in uh, a blue-collar, ind- well, you know, typically blue-collar industry, what you'd think, mm-hmm. with car dealers. Do the guys around you respond the same way? Do you permeate this through your business using core values Absolutely. and stuff like that?
1: Absolutely, we do. That is very important to me and my team. And, you know, I what it's important for my team to understand is that they're all a part of our success. Mm-hmm. It was once, you know, when it started out as our business, it was mine and Chad's business. And we looked at it as, in a way, our child that we were raising with right, the rest right. of our and now it's it's at a point where it's not just our investment. Everyone plays a part. And we've seen you know, our staff come in and they're down in the dumps and life, personal life has thrown things at them. And, and maybe they've quit believing in themselves as well. But mindset is everything. And it's yeah. something that without it, we wouldn't be where we are. And I need my team to also see their value. So we work really hard. We have team meetings. We do some inspirational things. We encourage each other. Um, you know, we're all spokes of a will and we're all trying to get the same, the same goal. And, and really, I think just in general, in life, we're all part of the same Mm wheel, you know, we're all fellow travelers. So anything that you can do to lift, encourage and inspire others, that's exactly what I'm about.
0: i I love it i i want to know if 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 you had to write a book right now because i did poke about on your website and uh, there is no book if you had to write a book right now what would the title be because like you've got this most intriguing story
1: thank you so much so i have actually considered um a book and uh you know when i was growing up my mom had a very famous line and she would say this is bullshit she would recognize things going on in our family that are the kids and whatnot and she would yell and scream and say how this is bullshit we need to you know get out of this and i don't think that's unique to
0: your mom (laughs) i think all moms scream that at some point maybe
1: maybe they do that's true they could i mean (laughs) i say it to my kids now but Uh i guess it for me it's like you can go through their bullshit or you can grow
0: through it that's true and so
1: um i think the name of my book would be growing through your bullshit
0: oh i like that because
1: you know you're you're given a choice so like you can you can take the shit and you can roll around in it and say poor me and and feel sorry for everything that's been thrown at you or you can use the shit to fertilize the soil and plant the seed and let beautiful things grow from
0: it i love it yeah i mean because like let's be honest we're all grown-ups we all have to deal with plenty of shit every single day um, it's how you approach the shit and how you deal with it and how you turn that into uh, into useful lessons and uh, ultimately profit. I think yeah. that matters the most, you know.
1: Definitely. And you know, um, I didn't know I was even going to share this story, but I it's come to my mind, so it must be for a reason. But go for it. Um, I had some a half brother that I loved very dearly. I was I was closest to any. I was the only child, but I had half siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, my half brother went through a lot of difficult shit. And I, and I remember my mom always, you know, she'd take me as a small child. I'd go to this house and have to help clean up after the shit. And I just always thought, come on, just make different choices. It's up to you. You can do better. You could do different. You can do better. And he just never did. You know, he never did. And um, the last conversation I had with him was, I love you, but you need to do something different. And when you have something good to tell me, then call back. Man. and uh he never called back. I never heard from him again, so you know that's very sad and very painful for me, and I think you know maybe I should have been a little bit different, but at the end of the day, we're all in this journey together, mm-hmm. and we can only do so much for someone else. you know you see them go through stuff, and ultimately it's them that have to make the decision. yeah, to do better yeah.
0: so mean, you know we're that- we're all fallible, but when you wake up and your house is dirty and you say i don't want to live in a dirty house anymore there's only ultimately you that's responsible for that and you that can fix that you know yeah and um, man it's that that's a rough one
1: yeah it really really is a rough one and and so i guess you know it's it's my hope and my desire for to just reach people to help them see their value and to see their worth and to see their strength and capabilities we're all capable of so much better than we give ourselves credit for.
0: Well, yeah, um, that's the whole point of the show. I mean, you know, people see me looking like a success. They see you looking like a success. And ultimately, yes, we are. But when you look on the inside, it's a success that's built on lesson after lesson after lesson of failure and learning and moving forward. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I was I was once told um, in
1: some of my self-improvement things I've been through, but I was told, write your, write your goals down for yourself. And then at the end of the week, evaluate those goals. And if they, if you've completed them and achieved them, write a W next to them. And if you didn't, it's an L. So instantly my mind says, oh, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. If I don't, (laughs) if I don't complete those things. And, and the person said, no, it's a lesson. What did you learn from that? You know? So I think if we have a little change of mindset, if we stop looking ourselves as losers for things we don't accomplish, but just take them as the, like you said, the lesson and the value that comes with them and then do something different to make it better so you can put a W next to that
0: next time. On the other side though, you only ever see the Ls. That's a a really big problem that I've been struggling with um, is that you only ever see the Ls. You see the shit that went wrong. And the cool thing about stacking those Ws up is you may have five Ls on a page, but you may have 15 W's. Well, if you don't write those down, you never see the W's, and you only focus on the L's. And it, 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 entrepreneurship's fucking mindset, yeah. man. It's it's getting yeah. that mind it's right. all
1: mindset, and you're right. You do have to celebrate the wins, no matter how small they are. But if you don't focus on the lesson by those L's, mm-hmm. you can't improve. And that's how our business, how Chad and I. My husband and I have continued to be so successful because we do have bumps in the road. We do have things that have knocked us down that we're not prepared for. Mm. Um, but if you don't look at it and say, what can we do different next time? How can we change this? What, what can I learn from this? Then you can't continue to grow, right?
0: Exactly. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the biggest thing you've learned in the last couple of years?
1: The biggest thing that I have learned is that I'm too hard on myself. Mm that I think as individuals, we're our worst critic.
0: That's true. And That's very I, true.
1: You know, How do I you balance that it,
0: though with holding yourself accountable? Cause if, if we, the thing with me is like, I don't have a boss. I do whatever the fuck I want. Right. You're the same, right? So right. I have to have a system in place that holds me accountable to me. How do you deal That's with me. that?
1: Yeah. So no, you have to have an accountability system. You have to, you know, write out, spend some time journaling, look at to your planner and put in your time blocking of what you want to accomplish that day and, and do your best to do it. And, you know, sometimes the first few times I started out time blocking, I failed, because I misunderestimated underestimated the amount of time, a certain task would take, right? First time you rode a bike, you failed. Absolutely. (laughs) And now, now look at you
0: now look at you go see.
1: Well, and that's just the thing, but if we would have never learned to ride that bike if we didn't get up, dust ourselves off, and, mm-hmm. and try again. Right? I
0: think that's a problem a lot of entrepreneurs make. They go, fuck, this is hard, and they quit. And how many times you fall down when you learn to walk, and now, now you do it like just automatically? How many times you fall off when you try to ride a bike? How many times you stall a car when you try to engage the clutch for the first time? you know right. and, and that's exactly
1: right i think people yeah. just
0: they they look at us doing stuff and go oh wow i wish i was great and they they don't realize that you know like i've been doing this behind a podcast for nearly six years it's just a lot of practice right and
1: a lot of hard work and dedication and and self-discipline right
0: and i want the right. listeners to know that they can do it they can do it just just write it down and commit to it and um exactly. you know,
1: baby steps you know the the hardest you know. journey the hardest hike all started with a step
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know just one step that's all you got to do one step and the next day take another step if maybe the next day you can take three steps or you fall back one that's okay yeah because it's in that fall it's in that failure that you learn you know if you don't and that's your opportunity that's when your choice is is placed before you is when you fail you have a choice are you gonna say oh god I really suck you know I I failed here or are you gonna look at it and say okay. Yep. I, I acknowledge that this, this did not go right, but what can I do different? How can I make a better outcome? That's where the secret lies, I love you know, it. cause if you, if you keep looking at your failures and start having that self doubt, that self negative talk, then you will quit and you will fail. So it's my mind, mindset is everything. I have to say, you know, have to,
0: you know, who are you who are so wise in the ways of business? This is wonderful. Right. Um, right. Like,
1: and we do that within our business too, actually. So like if we have a customer, we pride ourselves in our customer service. And if we have a customer complaint, we're going to do what we can to, to settle that customer and to make that customer, not just a customer, but a member of the, our family. Always. Um, yes. You know, whenever,
0: so, few, so few business owners get that. It costs yeah, so much money to bring somebody into your ecosystem. Like be kind, get it right. <laughs> you know, yeah, serve just, treat, just treat people like you want to be treated mm-hmm.
1: and, and everything else will fall
0: into place is my belief so obviously you didn't learn all this overnight um it was definitely learned over time um are there any standout coaching programs or mentors that you have subscribed to that have really made a difference for you on this journey why, why yeah, are you I laughing can't. at me
1: I don't know <laughs> like no I just I love it because there's so many it's hard to but the most um influential ones in the beginning for me uh were Ed Milette. Mm -hmm. I love his, his outlook and I love his positivity, um, him, a man of faith as well. So I was able to really resonate with him very strongly. And then, um, Oh, let's see. My mind just went blank on me.
0: (laughs) Well, Ed Milet's a good one. I mean, you know, it's it's going to be hard to come up with uh, and beat Ed Milet. He's a heck of a, yeah, heck of a guy. Um, oh,
1: yes. So Ed Milet, he was one that um, was a big influence for me. I read his book. I read it twice actually. And then the second time I highlighted through, and then the third time I read it, take constant notes. You can take something different from it for each time I read through it. And then, you know, Ryan Stuman is who I'm following a lot right now and, He's just a real genuine individual that He's
0: he's all right, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's all right.
0: <laughs> no, I think he's
1: really pretty great actually. Um and then Andy Frazella, you know, he gives it to you straight from the hip and I love that. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are those are the three three men that have been the powerhouses for me that have been I'm pretty
0: influential well no wonder you got referred to my show because those are like those are my uh, top three guys too um you know ryan and then and andy and then ed um i'd listen to more of Edge stuff if it didn't have commercials in it but you know yeah <laughs> I, I know they got yeah, a, of, a
1: few more commercials now but
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah, no yeah. Good messages, so. but really really good messages so yeah no wonder you uh no wonder you're a good match for the podcast we all listen to the same guys and i've been uh, i've been privileged to be working with ryan's team not with ryan himself but with the apex program for the last two years and uh, it's been absolutely wonderful it's probably the reason this podcast exists you know so uh, my ability to give back to other entrepreneurs now by using the stuff that i learn in this program is just it's it's made it all worthwhile so i'm a huge fan of books a huge fan of um mentors a few a huge fan of continuing education so along those lines uh what's a couple of books that you've read recently that you think maybe uh, our listeners should be looking into picking up
1: yeah so for me the most recent one that I've read that I just really love is uh, written by Stacy Rasky it's be a boss and fire that bitch
0: oh Stacey um, yeah, yeah 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 I saw yeah. her the other week you know yeah and, um, she just... helped she helped me with the name of my book um, oh
1: I, she did I which I,
0: I uh, Stacey's wonderful and she actually was a, a guest on the show here um I was some, sometime late last year I forget which episode okay. it was I have to go look that up but yes Stacy is yeah. uh, that, that she's amazing Yes yes and just had her first event down in Florida as well that I heard went really well I was not yeah to... she
1: did I heard it went phenomenal. I had a few friends that spoke there at her event so it was super exciting I was really excited for her and and that it turned out so well
0: I, I'm still haven't figured out how we haven't met yet then because we've got so many mutual mutual friends in the space but uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure that'll be uh, I'm sure that'll be coming up <laughs> I'm sure we'll meet yeah. here fairly I'm soon. Sure you will. All right. So, like I said right at the beginning of the show, before we uh, before we started recording, the premise of the small business surgeon is about telling our stories of failure and showing the guys maybe five years behind us, maybe ten in business, showing them you know that there's a path to the top from all this. Um, so, with that in mind, if The question is, if you could go back and talk to you from five or 10 years ago, what is the one piece of advice you'd turn around and give somebody uh, in that position right now?
1: One piece of advice would be to keep going, keep pushing (laughs) forward. I mean, that is about as basic as it can be. I know it's not some big fancy answer, but truthfully, without continuing stepping forward and pushing yourself a little harder, um, you don't have that growth. And that growth is what makes success. You know, that growth in in your outlook, the growth within your internal belief, the growth within when you learn from your fails, you just have to keep pushing forward, even through the hard days. Just get yourself up, dust yourself off. Tomorrow's a new day.
0: I completely you know, let's, agree. Let's start again. Like I I I liken it to the fact that hey, it's like learning to fight. You're gonna get hit in the face. Get used to getting hit in the face and figure out how to deal with it and then life's gonna get a lot easier, right? <laughs> or swerving
1: up, right swerving Dude, i've been down. doing
0: i've been doing this 20 like 20 odd years i still get hit in the face but now oh, I, can, I know i can see it coming and i know how to hit back that's the only difference like, <laughs> right you just get better at it you know you do yeah. so um okay so before we wrap up lisa i've got to circle back around to the uh to the car dealership side of things uh coyote classics I really like classic cars. So what does the buying process look like for somebody that's listening to the show that maybe fancies themselves in a Mustang? How does it look coming up to visit you? What does getting financing look like? Because when I go to a car dealer, I can literally sign the papers and walk away. But buying a classic car, that's a little bit intimidating. So uh, just walk us through the process of what that would look like.
1: Well, I'll tell you, Coyote Classics uh, is definitely not somebody that you need to be intimidated by. We have about 98% of our clientele don't even step foot into our dealership. Oh, we wow. send cars globally. So we do everything I can, we can as a team to be your eyes and ears and answer any questions you have. We even welcome third-party inspections. Mm-hmm. But my, uh, we present you with a detailed walk-around video pointing out every flaw that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah, excuse me. We have very friendly staff that walk you through the process. If you are interested in a car, you've had your inspection or you, or you like what we've seen in the questions we've answered, then we just take a deposit that holds the car. Mm -hmm. We send you the paperwork. uh, We collect the funds and send you out your title. We can arrange, make arrangements uh, helping to connect you with the, with a shipper. So your car can be transported to you or you can arrange your own shipping. It's really very simple process.
0: So it's completely pain free then, huh?
1: Pain free. I mean what, what more can you need?
0: What are you pain your, free?
1: But- a beautiful car to drive off in. All
0: right. I'm 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 gonna start a fire now. What's better? Mustangs or Camaros?
1: For me. Uh Mustangs.
0: Oh yes. Yeah, she wins. Not any Mustangs. She can stay. Not any she can stay. Okay, so why? Which Mustang and why?
1: Well, I like the the Mustang fastback. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the boss. I like with the hemi motor. I don't know. I just something about it. I just like it. It looks more growly and powerful. And, you know, I like, I like a 68 Camaro too. That's my second favorite, but um, I don't know, just something about the Mustang. It just kind of demands attention. I feel.
0: Uh, Yeah. That, uh, that red boss, the red boss 302 you've got in stock right now. looks, it's a, Four-speed manual. Oh, that I looks, love that, 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 that looks, one is
1: my favorite.
0: That looks like the ticket, guys. You'll need to run over to uh, CoyoteClassics.com and check out the uh, 1970 Ford Mustang Boss 302 they have. In fact, I will get Kyle to throw a link to this vehicle in the show notes, and if one of my listeners buys this from you, I—I uh, I fully fully expect a, a, a coyote classics t-shirt shipped to me all right <laughs> oh at least
1: at least that's the least we could do for sure maybe uh, even i'd throw
0: in a hat oh a hat as well i i would love it but seriously guys you'll, you'll need to check out the inventory that they've got and they have uh, um financing and insurance and everything available on these stuff and they are like genuine uh, real deal, high end, really well looked after classic cars. They, they, they don't mess around with their inventory. Um, all right, Lisa, before we wrap this up, my dear, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you, and I'm sure that we're gonna be uh, hanging out at some events here in the near future, especially with the amount of uh, friends in common that we have. Um, where can the people follow you online? Where can they follow you on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff, and um, how do they get a hold of you if they wanna buy a car?
1: Yeah, so like you said, our website is CoyoteClassics.com. You can reach me at Lisa at CoyoteClassics.com. You can follow me on Instagram, hills and Hot Rods. Um, and on Facebook is uh, Lisa Hope Austin.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. You've been an absolutely wonderful guest. I appreciate you coming and out. Thank you so much. I Appreciate
1: out. you having me here today.
0: And um, I will be—I'll uh, be hitting you up when it's time for my uh, for my Trans Am, and uh, I'll grow my mullet out and get my Motley Crue cassettes ready. <laughs> so um, I'm, sounds
1: um, good. I'll be expecting that call.
0: <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate you coming thank
1: on. Thank you so much. Thank you to all your listeners.
0: All right, guys. That was Lisa Austin over at CoyoteClassics.com. They run a banging used classic car dealership be sure run over check it out follow them on instagram and as always you can find us on instagram over at small business surgeon all right that's going to do it for today's show we'll be back on wednesday with another episode of sam and kyle see what's up so as always be good stay safe and if you liked what you heard share the show leave us a review i'll see you guys wednesday This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at TXFoundry.com or on social media at TXFoundry. Thanks for tuning in.